In today's episode, I'm talking with an impact entrepreneur who's trying to change our relationship with alcohol by using science and smarts to keep the social aspects of alcohol consumption, but without the actual alcohol. From Blue Tribe Media, this is the Good Business Podcast, the show where we talk to business leaders, social entrepreneurs, and innovators about aligning profit with purpose and how you can make doing good good for business. Now, here's your host, James McGregor. So, my guest today is Christina Delay. So, she's the CEO and founder of Altina Drinks. Now, have you ever been at a party or a work function where everyone's enjoying a glass of wine or a beer? And you're the only one standing around without a drinking hand and it kind of feels awkward or you feel a little bit left out. See, alcohol consumption is often linked to social events we all enjoy, getting together with friends or a wedding, for example. But what if you don't want to drink alcohol? How do you enjoy the social aspects of these events without any alcohol? So this is where Christina and Altina Drinks come in. As a passionate impact entrepreneur, she's combining her science skills and business brain to help shake up the Aussie drinking culture and reinvent methods used in traditional alcohol production by creating innovative, zero-proof craft cocktails. So if you want to find out how to create unique and memorable alcohol-free experiences and learn how you can develop a great product that is also a vehicle for change, then you should listen to this episode of the Good Business Podcast. So why don't we start off with um, you introducing yourself and tell the audience who you are. My name's Christina and I'm the CEO of a Canberra-based business called Altina Drinks. I'm also head of R&D, so I'm responsible for coming up with all of the cocktail creations that we make here at Altina. I am a Queenslander by heart, but moved down to Canberra for university and have been here ever since. And I'm also a new mum. And I've got a six-month-old baby boy who definitely keeps us on our toes. Yes, that's a busy time at six months as well. What's something that some people may not know about you? In a previous life, I was actually a violinist and I have performed at the Sydney Opera House. Oh, really? So how long did you play the violin for? Since I was about six years old and I even went and studied at university for a couple of years. So it was a good part of my life. Great. And, and did you have dreams of becoming a professional violinist? Yeah, that was always the plan right up until I sort of got sick of um, being locked away in a room practicing for 12 hours a day and thought I really want to actually go out there and talk to people and help people. Yeah, fair enough. I won't get you to give a pep talk to my uh, son because he's learning violin at the moment. <laughs> so the idea of trying to get him to do 10, 15 minutes of practice is um, hard enough. Yeah, look, so, it's hard, yeah. but uh, it's a great for learning discipline later on in life. Yeah, yeah, but it's also one of the toughest I think, instruments to learn as well. So if you're going to pick a, uh, something as difficult to learn, yeah. go for violin, I guess. Both for, for the uh, student and for their parents. <laughs> Yes, yeah. All right, so so tell us a little bit about Altina Drinks. Yeah, so Altina Drinks, we're on a mission to change the way that people drink. So as you are probably aware, we've got a huge drinking culture in Australia. Most of our socialising revolves around booze. And we've found that that becomes a real problem when People don't necessarily want to drink. People feel really socially pressured around drinking. And there are some really interesting statistics around harm from alcohol in Australia. And at Altina Drinks, we thought 
we really wanted to make a social solution to this social problem. And we've done that by looking at methods that the alcohol industry uses and tweaking them so that we don't need to use or produce alcohol in any processes, but we can create really beautiful and delicious alcohol-free cocktails that focus on the flavour and the experience. So, so tell us about some of these cocktails. Like, give, give me, a, give a, the audience a taste of the sort of flavours that you um, produce for these cocktails. Yeah, so one of our most popular cocktails is called Light Me Up. So this one features a native Australian ingredient. It's called Forest Berry and it's actually a, a native eucalypt, but it's got a strawberry flavour to it and it's a really interesting flavour that I wanted to showcase in this drink. I've paired that with um, some apple and green tea to make a base that is not too sweet and gives some of that dryness and it's lightly sparkling so that when when you do drink it, it's something that's really beautiful and celebratory. Mm, that sounds that sounds great. So so I'm interested. So your so what you didn't mention in your about a little bit of background about yourself is that you you actually did a PhD in plant biology. So I'm fascinated by how you went from PhD in plant biology to creating non-alcoholic cocktails. Like what's what's the backstory? Like where, what what was what triggered this decision for you to sort of almost have a, a radical change of path like that? Yeah, so I, I actually went from my PhD in plant biology, jumped over into the world of consulting. I'd sort of had become a bit disillusioned with the world of academic research and really wanted to do things that had a more tangible outcome. So I thought I would jump into consulting where um, I can do something and see outcomes and, you know, help people make better decisions and that sort of thing. And so I spent almost two years in uh, technology consulting working with large government clients on uh, multi-million dollar projects, helping them with their IT systems. And I guess a, a little known fact about the consulting industry is that it's really quite a boozy industry. So I found myself quite quickly getting caught up in the alcohol culture of that industry. For example, there'd be a ton of networking events and the booze would always be free. There'd be the after work drinks and where you'd, you know, just have fun with colleagues and clients. There'd be long lunches and a feature of everything seemed to be the drinks. I also took on quite a bit of responsibility and found that, you know, having a glass of wine or two after work was a really, um, I thought, good way of sort of relaxing and helping to ease that pressure and the stress a little bit. What I didn't notice was how much I had gone from, you know, maybe drinking once or twice a month to actually going through quite a lot of bottles a week. And it didn't really hit me that there was anything wrong with that because everybody around me was doing it and I thought it was just, you know, the norm. I then started to get some health problems and that really forced me to stop and look at exactly how much I was drinking and what a big part of my life drinking was. And I was quite shocked by that sort of reality check. I decided to cut out the alcohol, but what I found when I did that was I'd still go to these events and these, you know, after work drinks and there'd be a ton of really awkward questions. People would 
sort of go, Christina, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you drinking? You know, just have one drink. It won't hurt. And I found that really quite awkward. And like, I really felt like there was something wrong with me because I wasn't drinking. And the other thing that I found was I used to love the experience of drinking. So, you know, you'd go out and you'd find this beautiful 20 page long wine list with all of these exotic wines. They'll have stories behind them. You, you really feel part of that experience. Whereas if you're not drinking, you literally get a choice between a sugary soft drink or a sparkling water and it, you know, might get jazzed up with a slice of lime. I quickly discovered there's only so much sparkling water you can drink in a night and still actually have a great time. And so I started talking to a lot of people about what I was finding and that included my co-founder who had been having a really similar experience with alcohol in his workplace as well. From there... Oh. No, keep going. I'm sorry. Yeah, so from there we started to experiment with this idea of actually creating drinks that were full of flavor that had that depth and complexity that had that experience around them but that didn't have the alcohol or the sugar as well because the sugar was a big thing we found with alcohol-free drinks you know a sugary soft drink or a sugary fruit juice were normally the replacement and so after talking to a whole bunch of people and and um sort of incubating this little idea for a while we learned about this concept of business called a social enterprise where you can do good um, and have a social mission at heart but also have a for-profit business and that really resonated strongly with um, my co-founder Alan and I because we've been wanting to do something that does have good outcomes for the community for a long time. Hmm. So tell me about the feedback so when you initially pitch this idea or talk to this idea with you know friends and colleagues what was what was some of the feedback you were getting around this idea of these alcohol-free cocktails so the feedback to be honest was um, quite mixed a lot of people had said during our initial research yeah I completely agree there is no good option if you don't have alcohol and we got a you know a huge portion of people who said this sounds like exactly what I would need I would love to be able to join in with that social atmosphere, without feeling the pressure to drink. And then on the flip side, there are a lot of people who sort of go, oh, what's the fun in that if there's no alcohol? And I think that sums up quite um, nicely the feelings towards alcohol in Australia. There's a lot of people who really look at alcohol as almost mandatory for having a good time and for socialising. But in fact, 46% of people drink less than one day a month in Australia. Mm. And that's that's huge. That's almost half of people really aren't interested in drinking at all. And it's those people that we really wanted to create a solution for and for the people who are drinking more than they would like to but haven't really been able to change their behaviour or their relationship with alcohol because there's no real incentive to. Yeah. So you, you mentioned before that, the, the that idea of yeah, going to a wine bar and hearing the story behind the creation of the wine and mm. and socialising. Do you think you know when you that that cohort of people who said, "Well, what's the point if there's no alcohol and how are you going to have fun?" Mm. Do, you, do you actually think it's the alcohol that makes the the experience for them enjoyable, or is it actually the social interaction and all, all the stuff that comes with the 
you know, basically the, the activity they're doing whilst they're drinking. Mm-hmm. Or, do you think do you think there's a, a linkage there, or or, or do, is the alcohol important for those people? I think a really really big part of it is around the experience, and that's the feedback that we've gotten. So when I crafted these drinks, we wanted to make sure that there was a really interesting story behind the different cocktails. We wanted to make sure people were still making an experience out of drinking. So um, we suggest that they use certain glassware when they pour a drink, for example. We provide little dried garnishes with the drinks and that helps to make it an occasion and something special rather than, you know, you just go to the the fridge and grab a, a can of Coke or something. And so I think it's that experiential aspect to it that can really make or break a social interaction. Yeah. Yeah. So so tell me about the very first one of these cocktails that you created? Yeah, so we actually spent quite a lot of time, well, I spent quite a lot of time experimenting um, in my kitchen, as you do. I had a nice Mm -hmm. little setup that looked like something out of Breaking Bad with, you know, glassware and things bubbling away in the corner. (laughs) Used to get a lot of strange comments if we ever had any tradesmen in. Um, But we actually ended up with a very different product to what I first thought that we would have. So I originally started out looking at making distilled alcohol-free spirits. And as I went through that process and as we started talking to more and more people, we saw that that was actually quite a challenging product for people because a spirit you need to mix. And when you mix it, you need to know what to mix it with. You need to have a degree of skill to be able to do that. But also when you do mix it, you normally mix it with something really sugary and sweet and unhealthy. And a lot of people that we spoke to really emphasised that if they were going to have a, a drink at an occasion, it would be really great to have something that they can feel good about drinking that's not going to leave them with a sugar coma afterwards. And so mm. we went through quite a few iterations and I think, I remember the first time I, I took one of the drinks to a group of friends. It was actually the, the first iteration of a Light Me Up, the drink I, I talked about before. It was a completely different drink. It was not sparkling. It was shaken. It was, it was a, a little bit creamy. And it was just a matter of getting feedback from a whole bunch of people that helped us to shape the range that we do have today. And I think that's been a real strength for us is that we haven't necessarily been fixed on what that product would exactly look like when we created it, but we mm-hmm. made something and then went out and tested it with people and got a whole heap of feedback. And I think that's why now almost everybody who tastes our drinks say, I've never had anything like this, but that's a great thing and I really love it and it's really unexpected. Great. And so that very first one though, I, I want to know what people's reactions were when they tried it. Good, good or bad? Look, they weren't terrible. Uh, They weren't (laughs) terrible. I know I've definitely ended up on the kitchen floor crying a few times, but it was sort of like, yeah, this is a bit meh. It's a bit bland. It's It's not something that I would pay money for. And so that helped to guide you know, the different nuances that I ended up adding to the drink and, and helping, helped to drive the complexity that we now have. So I think... I really- but, how, but how did you, how did you feel when you got that feedback though? So did you think you're on, you know, your first recipe was a winner and everyone would love it? Was that what you were thinking when you 
when you put those first samples out there? Yeah, I, I always thought that, that that particular drink was actually a winner. I really, like, I really believed in the forest berry, that ingredient that we used. And I sort of thought, I really want to make this one work. And so I listened really closely to that feedback that people were saying it's kind of bland and meh and thought, okay, well, you know, if I add a little bit of a little bit of sparkle, that's going to help a bit. If I um, put in a little bit of, we ended up putting a little bit of wattle seed, another native ingredient, and that gives it a bit of a nuttiness and, and a bit of those, I guess, deeper, more complex flavours. And so it's all those little tidbits that we've just picked up along the way. So I can see your plant biology expertise coming in here now. Now I can see the connection. Of how that, yeah, uh, that's was right. So it's sort of come around, come around a bit from the science. So I went through through technology consulting and have come back now to that science. So my undergrad in chemical biotech is really useful for all of those methods that I've been using. So the the main reason why there are no great alcohol free drinks out there is because it's actually really hard to create a tasty drink without using something like alcohol. Alcohol is great at extracting flavours out of things. The process of making alcohol produces a whole heap of chemicals that add complexity and flavour and body and mouthfeel. And so it's actually really tricky to create something without using alcohol in the process or using alcohol as the starting point. And so that's the... I guess, where the science background has come in for me between the, the chemistry and then the plant biology in terms of really having that focus on flavours coming from plants. All right, great. Okay, cool. So so other than, I guess, getting the complex chemistry of making a great tasting drink, which is obviously a, a mountain of a challenge in and of itself, <laughs> uh, what, are, what are some of the biggest challenges that you've faced so far uh, in trying to get alternative drinks off the ground? I think the biggest challenge is actually around educating consumers that just because it's alcohol free doesn't mean it's going to be chock full of sugar or really bland and and not really tasty. I think traditionally alcohol free drinks have had a really bad rap. So, you know, if I ask you, James, have you ever had have you ever tried an alcohol free beer? Oh, I haven't, no. And why haven't you tried it? A lot of the time, the answer is: Look, I've I've heard from somebody that they're no good. They don't they don't taste anything like what the alcoholic counterpart might might taste like, and that's generally the stigma that alcohol free drinks have. And so we are starting to see a a new wave of quality craft alcohol free products come into the market now, and it's a, a bit of a challenge actually communicating with customers and helping them discover what alcohol-free drinks can be and how they're different to what they've traditionally been. Right. And so what's your main, where do you sell this product? Are you selling through traditional liquor stores or through uh, supermarkets? Like where, where do, if it's, given that it's, it's a non-alcoholic drink, I guess that opens up a whole range of opportunities in terms of your distribution channels. Yeah, definitely. And we have quite a broad range of distribution channels. So we start, we've got our, our website and we sell directly to consumers from online, but we're also stocked in different types of retail shops. So here in Canberra, we're stocked in a lot of the local grocers and retail, things like retail gift shops. 
We're also stocked at Dan Murphy's online, for example, and then in a whole range of different bars and pubs, sort of coming back to that experience. We want people to be able to have a great experience when they're out, when they're socialising. The other thing that we've had a real focus on is actually in the corporate environment. So um, Alan, my co-founder, and I have both come from corporate consulting backgrounds, and that's where we really based our experience from, where, you know, you'd have those Friday afternoon drinks or you'd have a bar fridge at the office that would just be stocked full of alcohol and basically it's available on tap. And so we've done um, quite a lot of work in the corporate space as well, in terms of those bottled cocktails, but also in terms of things like um, masterclasses and helping corporates to design more inclusive social activities um, that don't necessarily need to have alcohol as the feature. So can you tell me a little bit, what's the, like, give, give the audience guess, an idea of the scale of our turn of drinks these days? Like how, how big is the team and, and also, I guess, a, a view of what's the vision for the future? Yeah, so we launched in December 20. 2018 and that was off the back of a crowdfunding campaign locally here in Canberra where we pre-sold tickets to our launch party to help us to fund that initial equipment and development of the drinks. So since December 2018, fast forward almost 18 months now, we've just moved into our own manufacturing premises here in Canberra. We've got equipment that allows us to do hundreds of thousands of bottles a year, which is really exciting. We've got a team of four people and looking at growing that in the near future. A, I guess, availability perspective, we've we focused on Canberra at the beginning. So we're available in lots of different places here in Canberra and the plan before COVID hit was to um, was to scale nationally this year and to get our products into the hands of people all around the country. We've still been able to do that from a direct-to-customer perspective, but with the lockdowns and bars and restaurants being forced to shut down, that's put a bit of a, a spanner into the works, but we're looking at different ways that we can help people to socialise without alcohol. So whether that's by sending out little happy hour packs to corporate teams so they can all enjoy their their happy hour over virtual meetings and that sort of thing, or by partnering with gifting and hamper companies as people are looking at sending things to their loved ones. Yeah. So if people were so listening were interested in, getting some alternative drinks, like where, where should they go? What's what's the best way for them to, to do that? Yeah, the best way is to jump on to our website, altinadrinks.com, and we've got a shop on there. We ship nationwide and are able to provide larger quantities to people like corporates as well on an ongoing basis. Great, okay. Uh, and so... Given what you've learned so far, before we move on to our mad minute, I guess given what you've learned on your journey so far, if there was someone out there listening who had uh, seen something around, you know, it's a social issue or an environmental issue and they had an idea on what they wanted to do to solve it, what's one piece of advice you give to someone like that? I think the best piece of advice I could give is to marry the problem and not the solution. So for us, the problem that we wanted to solve was around that alcohol harm 
and around being able to give people a choice. And we could have done that in a number of ways, right? There are a whole heap of alcohol advocacy organisations, for example. There are people who help you change your relationship with alcohol. There are all of these different ways you could do it. And we, I guess, have found that by providing a real viable alternative to alcohol, that's another way that we can actually help to address that problem. So look at the problem, really get to know it, get hands-on with it. And that means even if your solution does change, you're still going to be driving that outcome that you're really passionate about. Yeah, that's great advice. We always provide almost exactly the same advice around making sure you understand the purpose or the mission Mm -hmm. that you're setting out to solve and focus on that and not the individual solutions because, yeah, otherwise you might find your your original idea was crap. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And and if you're wedded to it, it's so hard to pivot and let go, whereas if it's the outcome's what you're trying to achieve, then, yeah, you're right. There's there's a thousand different ways to slice and dice that, Uh, and then the the process becomes what's the optimum way to do that. Uh, Yeah, that's right. Individual ideas don't matter so much as long as they get you to the end game. That's it, and I think that we've been able to grow so quickly because we've been just constantly open to um, testing and learning different things and it's really helped us to grow the business from a social enterprise perspective and from a I guess for-profit business perspective. Yeah so so while we're sort of touching on that social enterprise perspective tell, tell me a little bit about what you guys do obviously you're producing these drinks what, what else are you doing around achieving that um, broader social mission that you set out to achieve? Yeah, so there's a number of things. So obviously being able to provide an alternative is a big part of it. And when we measure our impact, we do definitely look at the reason people purchase. And around 90% of the time, we find our drinks are actually a direct replacement for an alcoholic drink. And that's a really, a really great outcome for us. So, you know, we've replaced over 30,000 serves of alcohol this year, which is pretty incredible when you think about the harm that that much alcohol can do. Then we've got a whole, I guess, other focus on helping to start that conversation about drinking more mindfully and being able to change your relationship with alcohol. So we do that through a range of different things. I mentioned things like corporate masterclasses before, thought leadership pieces, and then working with advocacy organisations to help amplify their messages as well. Yeah, great. Okay. So, but let's um, wrap up with our mad minute. So there is five quick questions in 60 seconds, although we've never actually achieved 60 seconds yet, but that's the goal. <laughs> All right. So let's, let's, let's kick on with that. So what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? For me, done is better than perfect. In my old perfectionist ways, I really had to let that one go. Yeah, that's one of my favorites as well. I'm constantly um, saying that one to my team. Yep. What's, what's your favorite business book? At the moment, I've just finished reading Originals by Adam Grant, which was excellent, but I also enjoy anything by Simon Sinek. Great. I'm actually halfway through Originals at the moment, so, yeah, it's, it's a great book so far. Yeah. So when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Well, I always wanted to be a violinist, um, so slightly different yeah. path to that. Very, very different path. Well, from vi- potential violinist to PhD in plant biology to drinks manufacturer, so there you yeah. go. Very, you probably never would have predict, predicted that when you were a six-year-old planning to no be a chance. future violinist. Yeah. What's your What's your favourite quote? Uh, what would you do if you weren't afraid? And that one's from a book by Sheryl Sandberg called Lean In. 
And if you could go back in time and give your 20-year-old self some advice, what would it be? I think it would really be around health being your most important asset and really making sure you take the time to look after yourself because you can't make any impact or help the community or the world if you're not in good health. So fill your cup. So that's it. So thanks for uh, look, uh, it's a great story. I'll uh, keep an eye out for Altena Drinks up here in uh, Newcastle once you expand outside of Canberra when hopefully this world returns to normal post-COVID-19 as soon as possible. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, and look, look, it's a great story. It sounds like you've got a great product and a, a great future as well. So thanks for joining us on the Good Business Podcast. Thanks so much, James. It was a pleasure. If you haven't checked out the great resources available on our website, which include free downloadable worksheets and guides to help you build your own impact business, then head on over to www.bluetribe.co forward slash podcast. And if you liked today's episode, make sure you click that like and subscribe button or tell a friend about the podcast so they can get some inspiration from great businesses doing great things. Coming up in the next episode. The disposable coffee cup is such an example of the wastefulness of convenience culture because you actually don't need it. So we designed something that worked and when we were tossing up the idea, we're sort of like, why hasn't anyone done this before? Like it seems so obvious that this was a, a good idea. In the next episode, this impact entrepreneur created a solution for the waste problem created by disposable coffee cups that is now in more than 65 countries around the world. Well, that's it for another episode of Good Business Podcast. I'm James McGregor. Until next time. Thank you.